Hey there, my whizzes, and welcome back to another episode of Food Biz Whiz. I am really excited to welcome Nikki Nardic of NAC PR to our podcast today, and we're going to talk all about securing press coverage for your brand, connecting with potential buyers through media mentions, and gaining a cult following for your food or beverage product, all through thoughtful PR. So if you are an emerging brand who is wondering how your fellow foodpreneurs are getting those New York Times shout outs, those mentions in Forbes, and the full page spreads in Sunset Magazine, you are going to get a lot out of today's show. Get ready to take notes and keep on listening. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. Hi, Nikki. Great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Allie. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. So like I said in our intro, my listeners, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Nikki and we are going to get into it. So Nikki is the founder of NAC PR. Nikki, you're a Chicago native with over 10 years of public relations experience and a really big Rolodex of local and national press contacts. So prior to founding NAC PR, Nikki led the PR efforts for a global fast casual restaurant brand, helping to grow the concept and take them public. So Nikki, can I share the story of how we connected before before we get into this? Of course, it's with one of my favorite people, so I would love to share. <laughs> okay, so my listeners probably know that I have a retail ready student, Emily of Lil Bucks, who maybe is listening. Hi, Emily, if you are. Emily has been totally rocking it in retail ready. So within a few months of joining, she landed into Whole Foods and has been expanding regionally with them. She secured Air One in April of 2020, just after everyone was saying that buyers were not taking on new products post-COVID. And she proved that that simply wasn't true. So, But the real magic, I'm going to admit this, is all of the incredible press that Emily has gotten. So I feel like every time I turn around, she's written up in Forbes again. I mean, it's been multiple times, or the <laughs> New York Times or Women's Health, or she's on NPR. And I want to be clear that we don't teach PR within retail ready. We've had some PR industry experts come in, but like we don't teach PR in retail ready. So I had to turn to Emily to ask how she was doing it. And Nikki, she told me that she was working with you. And that's when I had to reach out, introduce myself and asked if you would come on the podcast. And now here we are recording today. So Nikki, thanks for being on the show. What do you, anything you want to add to that Emily story? How did Uh, you, how did you meet Emily? Yeah. Emily and I were introduced actually through a blogger, Lakeshore Lady. She's um, one of my favorite influencers in Chicago. She knows that I love nerding out over the (laughs) emerging food and beverage space, just like you and I responded over. Um, She's like, you have to meet my friend, Emily. She's doing this really cool new thing called Lil Bucks. So Emily and I met, we quickly bonded over just our love for all these like fun, cool, healthy snacks taking over the shelves. Um, And that was like a year, almost a year before we started actually working together. Oh, wow. And in that year, I just became her number one fan. (laughs) And finally, this January 2020, Emily was like, all right, I want to give this whole PR thing a real go. And we've been working together ever since. 
And I promise I'll share more about all the cool press that we've gotten for Emily and our partnership because she's just such a great case study of like a dream client. Um, But I'm so happy she connected us because I love the community that you've created. And I just love growing my network in this cool emerging brand world that we are yeah. It's wow. a good industry where, that we're in. I don't know if you saw this, Emily, but Food Dive put out a publication in early June that said food and beverage is the projected to be the only sector that grows in 2020. Wow. I did not see that. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? I mean, surprising, but crazy. I know. I'm like, what about tech? But (laughs) anyways, I know. I'm like, what about the people who own Zoom? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I feel so fortunate that we work in as service providers in the food and beverage industry. It makes me so happy that you and I are still able to help these emerging brands who are seeing success, um, maybe down a different path than they thought at the beginning of 2020. But I'm I'm really excited to have you talk about PR today because I know that that is one piece of the the big puzzle of how brands connect with consumers. So um, can we get on the same page right from the top? What Mm -hmm. the heck is PR? I feel like it's so... I mean, maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's it's a little bit wishy-washy. Like, what is PR? Absolutely. Everyone has a different definition of it. It's like one of those fluffy marketing terms where if you ask 10 people, you'd probably get 10 different answers. Um, Some keywords that come to my mind when I think of PR, strategic storytelling, reputation management, relationship building, and probably the words I would use to describe it the most, media relations. So PR is all about securing press coverage and building your brand's reputation and reaching a larger audience. So to me, PR is anyone that adds a megaphone bigger than your own. It's just another way to reach Mm. and grow that audience. So I kind of think of PR as like, who has a big megaphone? So sometimes it's the New York Times. Sometimes it's a cool influencer. Um, In quarantine, we get creative. Maybe it's the founder of a cool newsletter, like the skim. So we've gotten really creative in thinking of like where those megaphones lie in quarantine. And I like this idea that it's not just like, (laughs) I don't know, like a radio advertisement or a billboard or like, (laughs) you know, like a spread in a magazine that PR is the way I'm hearing you describe it is PR is essentially like, you know, anyone who has any publication or any person who has influence over, over others. Can exactly. be can be PR, okay. Yeah. And so then, so then the specific PR is like when we when we think about it, the PR is that um, that connection, that that thing, that magic thing that happens when you connect with those people with the megaphones. Exactly. So once you find those megaphones, PR is really used to do like a few things really well. So obviously, announcing company news, whether it's your launch or mm-hmm. a new flavor. Launch, launching in a new market. Um, that's obviously kind of like the most obvious way that PR is used. Um, one of the ways that I think is really important is differentiating from your competitive landscape. I'm sure there are a few founders listening who maybe you're all in the bar space, maybe you're all in the granola space, but you're <laughs> all doing something really special and different. So PR is really important for articulating those competitive edges. I, that's something I always think is like first and foremost. Yeah. I like that you bring that up. And I think later on in this episode, we'll talk a little bit more about 
crafting that that pitch and like what the different type of pitches are. But I think one of the things that seems challenging to me is this idea that when as emerging food and beverage founders, there's a lot of similar products, right? Like you mentioned the bar category. There are so many bars. And I, I like this idea of using PR strategically to to stand out from that crowded, you know, the crowded category, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I understand, I understand from a high level what PR is. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that magic word media relations that you mentioned at the beginning? What is, what's that? Yeah. How does that work? Media relations is like a little more of the old school PR, what you think about with like radio interviews, magazine spreads, um, newspaper feature stories, TV segments. So media relations is used to reach all of those megaphones, those publications. Gotcha. Um, so it, in like the l- most loosey-goosey, easy to digest terms, um, <laughs> I spend my time reaching out to editors and producers, reporters, freelance journalists with my clients' stories to then make their way you know, onto those airwaves, onto those pages to then reach way, way, way more people than we are already connected with. Gotcha. So at the end of the day, someone who does PR is someone who's ideally really well networked, right? Like you've got the email addresses of the the editors that your clients want to reach, right? Yeah. It's definitely all about relationship building. So a lot of these people, a lot of these reporters I work with, I've worked with them for years. Some of them I've, you know, worked with at multiple publications they've written for. Mm -hmm. And then others, you know, we're making new relationships every day and we're able to do that with awesome client stories. Um, So I want to be able to send them, you know, a a pitch for a story idea that I feel super confident in. Everyone that we work with, we believe in their story. We love how their product tastes. Um, So we feel really confident when we send these ideas to editors that they're going to want to move it forward, get to know our clients via interview be a taste. It makes total yeah. kind of worry. Yeah. And it makes total sense that you are almost, I, I'm going to use this analogy and I don't know if, if you'll follow it, Nikki, but I'm sure that yeah. my listeners will. You as a, as a PR woman is, are almost acting the same as a broker would for a brand, right? Like the broker has the relationships with wholesale buyers. They know how to get their foot in the door. Those buyers trust them and will actually return their emails and say yes to those virtual appointments and everything. And while certainly a brand can go direct, and again, we can talk about this later in the episode, but a brand can go direct and you know, we'll have some success going direct. That's great if that's your strategy, but a broker can weave these relationships in a way that that you can't always do on your own. Yeah, such a good analogy. I actually do know what a broker is. I've been really <laughs> lucky to get like a deep dive into the full CPG world through a lot of my clients growing quickly and bringing me along for the ride. Oh um, yeah. It's such a good analogy I need to start using now. Well, you are, you're welcome. Thanks. So wait, and Nikki, remind me, do you work, does NAC work solely with food and beverage brands? Mostly. Mostly. Um, we started, when I started NAC about a little over three years ago, we were really mostly in the restaurant space and mm, that was gotcha. the most recent experience. And then quickly just became like the snack queen of 
Chicago and now other markets too. So we really focus on food and beverage. And I always say with the side of fitness, we do have a fitness mm. studio in Chicago that we work with, which um, obviously goes hand in hand with a lot of our clients, you know, they're able to demo there and different things. So it all, it all kind of ties together. Truthfully, our brands that we work with are all brands that I use in my everyday life. That was sort of how I wanted to create our client roster. That's such a great filter, right? And I think it goes back to this idea that if you, if you truly love the brand, it's easy for you to want to get press for them. It's easy for you to want to talk about them. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm an emerging brand or, you know, I'm a listener of food business yeah. <laughs> and I've decided, yes, I need some PR, right? I think this is, I think all listeners are raising their hand right now. Who wouldn't want more press mentions? So yeah. then what happens? Like, how do you, how do you figure out who to pitch to, you know, how to, how to connect with those people who will actually turn into buyers? Like what happens next? Yeah. So Really what we do first is we figure out what your goals are. Okay. Are you raising investor money? Are you trying to reach more buyers to get on shelves? Are you already on shelves in some key markets and you want to show turns? Um, We get to know what your goals are and then we craft our strategy accordingly. Obviously, all of those people I mentioned, depending on your goals are, buyers read different publications than your everyday consumer. Mm -hmm. Um. So once we learn who you're trying to reach, then we figure out, okay, where do they get their recommendations? So we always value trade press. So Nosh, Food Navigator, BevNet, I'm sure yep. everyone listening is familiar. And if they aren't, they should start <laughs> you know, perusing those headlines since that's who's covering your space. That's such a good place to start. Um, Nikki, I'll link, I'll link those. Shopping. Yeah. I'll link those in the show notes. I, yeah. I think that's a great idea. Um, yeah. It's such a good way to just kind of get your feet wet with seeing what makes headlines, seeing what your competitors are doing. Um, so trade press is always a part of our strategy. We mm-hmm. always are making sure we have great relationships with those editors and we're feeding them our clients news. Then where it gets a little different is local press and national press. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm like always jazzed about national press. We've been lucky to get some awesome national stories for Lil Bucks um, and some other clients as well. But that to me is just really cool way to reach a humongous audience yeah. to grow your cult following. Yeah. Um, and then local press is more impactful with getting sales in you know regional markets. If you launch in Erewhon in LA or in... Um, I don't know. Like rain. Yeah. I was going to say like a rainbow grocery in San Francisco or like, yeah, some some like cult grocery store. (laughs) Exactly. So you want to go after like the local press there to make sure that you're helping support turns and building awareness that you're even on shelf there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which you obviously wouldn't do if you just sold direct to consumer online. Maybe that local market coverage doesn't matter as much. Yeah. And I think that you bring up a good point too. Like when I, on a personal note, as someone who <laughs> buys a lot of food and beverage stuff, um, I always, it, it's interesting to like read a national publication and then realize that, um, and get really excited about a brand and then realize, oh, they don't ship nationally or they have totally. no retail presence here or, you know, whatever it is to get really fired up on something and then be like, oh shoot, but I can't have it. Like there's nothing more heartbreaking exactly. than that. And I think we're going to talk about that later, but we can jump to it now of, you know, like you might not be ready to go 
big with PR if people can't take action and buy your product. Mm. So like if you're only like we have a client right now, he's only available in Chicago. So we are going heavy all in on Chicago press and Chicago influencers, Chicago, anything. Yeah. Um, but we don't want to waste our time on national press yet because no one will be able to buy it. And we like to assume readers are really lazy. If they can't click, click buy, they yep. will forget about you three months or three years from now when you launch there. Totally. Um, so totally. You really want to make sure you're targeting your strategy to where people can take action um, I love working closely with clients to see what led to a lot of sales, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously easier to do with online sales versus right when you can track it or, yeah. Um, or, you know, even just like seeing web traffic from an article is really helpful to know what's working. But if you get all this web traffic and no one could buy your product, it's kind of sad, a sad day for PR. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. Okay. So I like this idea from the high level, you start with a goal. And I hadn't, Nikki, I hadn't really thought about it like that because, you know, it makes so much sense when you say it, but, you know, thinking about what is the brand's goal? Are they trying to connect with wholesale accounts? Are they trying to connect direct to consumer? Are they trying to get, I don't know, um, more into corporate gifting, like whatever it is. So you think about the goal, you think about where those end users are getting information, right? So that's where you talked about like the trade publications or maybe like mainstream magazines or I mean, frankly, like podcast advertising or like whatever it is, right? Podcast interviews. Podcast interviews. Yeah. So I guess we haven't really even talked about like paid, um, paid PR and stuff. We're really talking still organic connections. Um, yeah. So figuring out like where it all goes back to like that target consumer, I guess, right. Right. Where they are. Yeah. So getting to know, you know, everyone kind of knows like women go to the grocery store (laughs) and your shoppers are this age range, but even breaking it down more. Another way we like to think is with tribes, Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, keto or vegan or gluten-free dairy-free even like we've had clients who have a tribe with like um, people that have stomach illnesses, mm, like IBS, yeah. and, and they read certain publications. Yeah, you can really break it down. And sometimes the smaller the publication, the bigger the tribe. Um, yeah, like, that makes- don't get me wrong. Like nothing gets me more jazz than a New York Times placement. <laughs> but you might have like a significant sales from something, you know, like a gluten free or vegan blog. Um, that obviously has way smaller readership, but everyone reading it is your target customer. Totally. Yeah. I think about that a lot. Like, you know, even, even with myself, I've definitely had invitations to be on, I don't know, some like bigger podcasts and things like that. And I'm like, but my audience doesn't listen to that podcast. Right. right. <laughs> like exactly. I might do it for my ego, but like, let's be clear, like no food entrepreneurs are listening to, you know, X, Y, Z, like online business podcast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, um, cool. This makes yeah. sense. I, I, I'm going to keep going back to this idea of starting with a goal, right? That makes yeah. that makes so much sense, Nikki. And I'm really Everything glad that you have a goal. And it's sort of like the North Star for your PR strategy. And mm-hmm. you could easily stray from it, but it kind of if you if you always know what your goal is, like with anything with building a business. Yep. Um, good to bring it back. Yeah, and I. Gosh, I'm going to, this is the last thing I'm going to say about like the goal <laughs> being goal oriented, <laughs> but I, I think that you bring up something that I didn't even think about that you can use PR to target, to get into wholesale accounts. 
which I know sounds so freaking silly because in Retail Ready, we talk a lot about getting into using trade publications to help buyers see your trending category or get, you know, understand why your product is a good fit for them. But I hadn't thought about the fact that that can take a PR agency to get those placements. Yeah. You know, we have had clients that send press placements that we secure for them to mm-hmm. buyers that are ignoring their emails. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm sure you, you... We talk about that in retail already. Sure yeah. talk about that a whole lot. Yep, yep. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, it perks their attention up and they get a response right away. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, you know, seeing the name of like Refinery29, which is a consumer-facing publication, but their buy- the, their shoppers are reading it. Yeah. Uh, or, or obviously like a Wall Street Journal, New York Times, that's like, holy grail. Yeah. Uh, but all of a sudden it gives your brand so much more credibility. It does. And, and people start paying attention to you because of being able to casually mention you were in Forbes yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talk about a captivating subject line for an email, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I remember, gosh, it was probably holiday... 2010, maybe, I don't know, probably 2010. And I had just stocked all of these like beautiful $50 June Taylor. Um, uh, um, what are they called? The like, I'm blanking on the name of this. It's like a holiday cake. Oh, a fruit cake. Yeah. Okay. These fruit, these fruit <laughs> cakes that are literally $50 fruit cakes oh that God. are like the most gorgeous thing. But you know, fruit cake has this mediocre reputation. Oh. And I took a risk and I ordered like 50 of these fruit cakes. And that was a lot, you know, a lot of budget to spend on on holiday fruit cakes. And sure enough, June was written up in the Wall Street Journal the day after I merchandised the fruitcakes and they were gone within like 72 hours. No way. Yep. Yep. That's incredible. I love stories like that. Um, especially, you know, PR is hard to measure, but hearing anecdotal real yeah. life reactions, that is so cool to hear. That's and it, and it was wild because it made so much sense, right? It was like the Wall Street Journal reader is probably the type of person who's okay with spending $50 on totally. a fruitcake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love that so much. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just being like, oh, shoot, I should have ordered more fruitcakes. <laughs> I missed out on so many sales. Yeah, who would but... have thought that Wall Street Journal would be making a hot buy that holiday? I know. It was cool. That was, yeah, it was probably a decade ago. Um, but I remember it I so remember it. so clearly. I love okay. that. Okay. <sighs> Nikki, uh, I think on the heels of my fruitcake story, we should take a quick break for a sponsor. And then Perfect. we're going to come back and talk about pitches. How does that sound? All right. We'll be right back. If you've been enjoying these episodes, imagine what it would be like to ask clarifying questions directly to me and have my assistants working through your strategy on these topics. Well, you can. My Retail Ready students have access to me live in our private online group and on our monthly coaching calls, and I'd love to see you in there as well. Retail Ready enrollment opens again really soon and kicks off with my free masterclass on the three steps to growing your packaged food business. I have that linked here in the show notes, and I can't wait for you to join to learn more about me and how I work with clients, to find out whether Retail Ready is the right fit for you, and to learn my three steps to growing your packaged food biz. Come join me via the link in the show notes, and I'll see you there. 
Okay, Nikki, we're back. So we talked about what PR is, what uh, media relations are and how they work. We talked about setting our high level goal and making sure that our, our PR is in line with our target audiences. Can we talk about pitching? Cause I think that's really what, that's what our listeners want, right? They're like, so tell me how to pitch. Yes. Of okay. Course. So, so where pitching, do we start? Yeah. Pitching is totally an art that I feel like I've dedicated my whole life to mastering um, forever in training. And can, we, can we actually talk about that for a second? I, yeah. I, I know this about you and it really stuck in my mind that you actually went to school for like PR and <laughs> yeah, like who, who does that? I know I'm one of those weird people that like, not that I knew I wanted to do this, but I majored in it and then mm-hmm. ended up staying in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I couldn't have predicted what I'd be doing with it, but I have literally been doing the same thing since like freshman year of college. I love it. So strange. I love it. Um, So crazy. So to say that I have spent my way too much time learning the art of the pitch is an understatement. Um, So pitching the press is just kind of like sending them this really interesting teaser that perks their interest, but doesn't tell them everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what you're really doing is trying to create what the headline of the story will be. So your subject line is kind of that, you know, like you're dating and that's like your one chance to have like this kitschy pickup line that leaves them wanting more. Um, So when I said in the beginning, strategic storytelling is one of the first words that comes to my mind when I think of PR, it's because of pitching. Um, So in this short, quick, pitch, you really have one opportunity to get a reporter interested and reporters inboxes are very, very popular. So you need to stand out from the crowd and succinctly need to tell why your story is more interesting than every other story in their inbox. (laughs) And that's hard when you're like, um, yeah, it's hard when you're another granola producer, right? Exactly. Um, So, you know, sometimes you have news and that pitch is writes itself. You know, if you're launching a new product or bringing, you know, making your debut as a brand, whatever it may be. Those pitches are are a little more obvious, but ones that I I think can really take a brand to the next level um, and keep your brand relevant in the in the media when you don't have news are these things called evergreen pitches, which yep. means you could write about it tomorrow, a month from tomorrow, a year from tomorrow. It's always relevant as long as your story is relevant. So some right. of those Uh, My favorite one really to pitch is the founder story. Mm. So your why of why you brought this product to life um, and your journey doing so. So that's an awesome way to put the spotlight, you know, humanize your brand, get a little attention on yourself, which does make some people uncomfortable. But that's an awesome way to stand out from the crowd. No one else can have your story, even if they are in your category. Uh, that makes, I like that because it, it, it gives you something that will always be unique, right? Like even if you are, I feel bad for granola producers because I'll just say granola. I love you. I love you granola producers. (laughs) I'm going to live without you. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, but I'd like to use granola as an example because, you know, there are so <laughs> many granola producers out there and, and you know i i love this idea that the the founder's story is is so strong um yeah uniquely yours yeah some just like high level cool memorable examples you know we had a client quavos and they quavos is founded by 
two 20-year-old college dropouts. One of them is a type 1 diabetic. They're best friends since they were little. And they decided to drop out of school and bring these egg white chips to life. Now, if that's not a story that will perk a reporter's ears up, I don't know what it is. And then, you know, yeah, I know exactly what brand you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, This is great. Um, And then there's Emily, you know, she has her life changing acai bowl in Australia and decides to bring this superfood product that no one has heard of to America. Yep. Um, So using your personal experience for a founder pitch is super powerful. Mm. And then something else that's obviously super fun and most important is your product pitch. Right. Um, What are you making? Why is it so delicious? Why is it different? Are you keto? Are you vegan? What are you? Um, So that's a great way to reach your tribes. And And another, can I ask a question too? Like with with the product pitch, would you say that that goes back to you would adjust that pitch again, depending on who you're targeting, right? Like if you are targeting that direct to consumer audience, you might talk about the deliciousness and how, I don't know, (laughs) how it's wonderful to like help your, I don't know, morning routine or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This is a bad example. Right. And then if you are pitching to those trade publications, maybe your pitch is tailored more about uh, the velocity that you're showing in, you know, independent stores, or maybe it's about the, uh, some differentiator that you bring to a cat, a crowded category or something. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. let's use the example of our favorite brand, Lil Bucks. Okay. So great. Emily recently launched a new flavor of cluster box. Since we're obsessed with granola, we'll talk yep. about cluster box. Yep. It's lemon myrtle turmeric. And for trade press, just use this as an example, like they would be most interested in where she sourced her turmeric and her lemon myrtle. She found two great partners. I believe you connected her. Yep. Um, (laughs) Yes, I did. Yes, you did. Like that is such a great trade press story to focus on the sourcing, which a mainstream publication that like your consumer reading, they would be bored to tears reading about your sourcing. They don't care. Right. Uh, But they care about, you know, maybe like the cool healing powers of turmeric or you know, why turmeric is this trendy immunity flavor. Yeah. Uh, so yep. there's different ways to like still focus on the ingredients and the new flavor, but also just like reach your audience of like why they care. Yeah, absolutely. Like going back to understanding who's reading that publication. Okay, exactly. cool. So we've got the founder pitch. We have the product pitch. Yeah. Any, other, any other big pitches that, that seem to show up time and time again? Yeah. One more product pitch example that I think is help, like a fun way to think about your product mm-hmm. is like really think about who is buying your product. So Quavos, the egg white chips, they launched a dill pickle flavor and we were like, okay, when do people eat dill pickles? They love them when they're pregnant. It's just <laughs> this, you know, pregnancy thing that you are stereotyped to like pickles. So we reached <laughs> out to like two pregnancy publications, which we never targeted before. Um, or for Petal, a sparkling botanical brand that we, beverage brand that we wrapped, they were a great mocktail and we mm. really saturated the sober community, yeah. the, the podcasts and the blogs that the sober community reads. And that was, you know, a great way to drive sales from this audience that we hadn't really focused on before. And mm-hmm. it was all through thinking through their product and who really like, who buys it? Where does this flavor fit into their life? 
Um, so I like love, going to I, eat on I love the dill pickle example. Isn't it funny? It, yeah. it was like a kind of like an afterthought. We're like, oh wait, pickles, like pregnant women. <laughs> um, and then another pitch angle that is really important is thought leadership. Mm. So if you want to stand out in the granola crowd or the bar crowd or a hard kombucha crowd, you need to be an expert on what you're doing and where your industry is going. Um, and that usually leads to trade press coverage, um, as well as getting involved in national conversations about sourcing or flavor trend flavors that are trending or just, you know, what is like the future of food looking like for what you're doing? Yeah. It's really important. I can think of such a good example with this. I had a retail ready student, Sylvie Charles of just dates her up on the podcast a couple episodes Mm -hmm. ago. And she is a physician who launched an alternative sugar made of 100% organic California dates. And so she has put a stake in the ground and really leaned into her medical background to say, you know, sugar is <laughs> is affecting you know the health of Americans I created this product that is based on this on this idea that we need to choose a better sugar and all of a sudden not all of a sudden you know it's been a couple of years but she has really established herself as this medical authority and she's able oh. to um, reach an audience you know that <laughs> I don't want to say that trusts science but an audience that really respects the medical um, background and the medical studies that she's done. For just dates syrup. That's amazing. I feel like they've gotten great press. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's yep. incredible. Of yep. course, they're one of your students. Not <laughs> surprised. <laughs> so here's the thing that, and I think this is a great time to bring up my my next question. Um, a lot of Sylvia's press, she got on her own. She wasn't ready to start with an agency. Can we yeah. talk about like, how do you know, you you hinted at this at the beginning, but like, how do you know yeah. if you're ready to work with an agency? Like when would be too soon? Or like, how do you know if you're ready to dive right in? Um, yeah. What does that look like? So like step one, I always ask clients and I learned this from experience of not asking. Um, you want to make sure that they don't have like some beautiful rebrand or reformulation mm-hmm. in the pipeline because I want to make sure that any photo we get in the press will be recognizable for people walking through the grocery store. So they can be like, oh, wait, I saw that in this magazine and I recognize the packaging. Yep. Um, so if you're doing like a 180 and getting this gorgeous glow up, that's amazing. But wait until you do it to start PR. Okay. Um, so, so no it, big changes in the pipeline. No big changes. You know, same with, with taste. If you're going to make your product exponentially more delicious or Mm. cleaning up the label, wait on PR until we can put your best product forward. Because one of the ways that we really lock in press is through mailing product to reporters, them tasting and loving it. Gotcha. So if we're mailing them something and we're like, well, it's going to be way more delicious in like four (laughs) months from now, just trust me. That's not going to be great no. <laughs> way to start. <laughs> so you want to make sure no big changes are in the pipeline. And I'd say another thing that's important is you want to make sure people can purchase your product, whether it's online or in store somewhere. Yeah. But if you're not, if you don't have great distribution yet and you know goodness is coming, then yeah. you might want to wait. Like same with Emily for Lil Bucks. Um, she, I'm pretty sure she launched in Whole Foods, like right when we started working together and that. Yeah, exactly. So she joined retail ready in, gosh, it was probably like August or so. Um, and 
she she like got slotted into Whole Foods, but didn't end up getting on shelf until, you know, I think it was, I think it was January, you know, it was good. Like, you know, it's slow. Right. So it's like a good six months later. Right. And you, and you had mentioned that you, you guys started in early 2020. Right. So like that makes so much sense that a lot of the PR that I saw for her started happening like right around that time. Yeah. And it's not that we're sending every pitch out like little bucks is now in whole foods. It's more so that people are able to find her products in so many more places after they read about it. Yeah. So like, if you know, you have like a a big distribution, your footprint's expanding, that's happening soon. Also a great time to wait on PR to make sure you can get some proper support to get your name out there more once you do need to show some traction. Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay. So you've got to like be, it has to be the right time for your brand like yeah, just but that that doesn't mean it. you can't start getting great press before that yeah. on your own a little bit. Um, so we can chat about some ways that I think are are great to get started. I'd love uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so like, kind of like funny. pre pre-agency. So if yeah. someone's like, okay, Nikki, you sound great, but I'm not ready to hire you. Totally. <laughs> like, what do I do? <laughs> yes. And I love, you know, helping early stage brands get their foot in the door with press yeah. because if the press are are into their product, then we know that they're going to be a great client for us and yeah. we'll be able to just take them to the next level. Yeah. Um, some like the first two places to start one trade press, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, you can totally reach out to those editors and start forming those relationships and just putting your brand on their radar. Um, but another place that's like maybe less obvious is owning your backyard. Mm-hmm. So let's say you know, all of us have like our hunky dory neighborhood daily newspaper. Um, They love highlighting a hometown hero, reach out, you know, like flip through the newspaper and find someone who's written about another entrepreneur, a reporter and and find their emails, slide into their DMS on Instagram. There are so many great ways to stock Um, and, (laughs) and put your brand on the radar. You know, I'm a local entrepreneur. I'm building this brand here in Chicago and I think I'd be a great local story. And I, I would yeah. love the support of your readers to help take me to the next level. Um, reporters love getting a story first. So if you make them feel mm. important, um, that's a great way to start that relationship. And a lot of them feel a little sense of pride if they were like one of the first to write about you. Because <laughs> if you do make it, like I would love to meet the person that first covered our X bar and took a chance yeah. on them. Yeah. You know, now they're pressed comes very naturally. But in the beginning, all of these brands that are now, you know, media darlings, like someone wrote that first article on all of them. Yep. Um, So cool, cool for those people who are the first. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, trade press and localizing press to own your backyard are two really great ways to start forming those relationships. Mm. Uh, I like your tip too, um, um, to like, go to the person who previously wrote an article that's similar to the one that you want. Yes. Right? Like is- to be like, oh, Lauren <laughs> of the Chicago Tribune tends to yeah. write about this. Like I'm going to pick Exactly. Her. Do your homework. I yeah. mean, that's literally the key to my success is making sure I know what people write about and that they're a good fit to cover my clients. Yeah. Uh, but show that you, you know, that you know what they've they've worked on. It's a great way to make it look like you're putting some time and effort into it. God, I feel like so much about PR is is really similar to how we pitch buyers too. 
right? Totally. It's yeah. totally. Do your homework. Their focus yeah. Is. yeah, absolutely. And then another, another great way to start too, if you're DIYing it, track your competitors and track your knacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so your competitors, you want to know what press they're getting because eventually you want to get on the radar of the same reporters that covered your competitors. Yep. And then track your knacks, meaning who's writing about the vegan space, who's writing about the egg white product or, <laughs> or turmeric as a flavor, who's writing about brands that were inspired from Wanderlust. Um, kind of get to know who's covering your the space that you're going to be playing in. How do you think you do that? I have one I have one way that I do it personally, but I'm wondering if you have any way yeah. that you track stuff like that. I mean, this I just like go Googling. Yeah. And I wish there was a savvier way, but yeah. I just like DIYing it with eight million tabs open. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a good old internet <laughs> if rabbit hole. On my internet browser, they'd probably have a panic <laughs> attack, but it's organized chaos to me. <laughs> One of the things that I've set up for myself is Google alerts. So yeah. I have, and this, I mean, obviously it sounds a little vain, but I feel like as a business owner, it makes sense. I have a Google alert set up for retail ready and a Google alert set up for food biz whiz and for my name. Um, and I get a summary, you know, once every couple of days of any time I have press mentions. And so then it's a really easy way for me to reshare information. Like, you know, sometimes I'll get press that I don't, that I didn't know about. Right. Yeah, um, I'm sure totally. that I'm sure that happens for your clients or I'm sure, yeah. you know, it happens. Um, so having that Google alert set up is a really valuable way for me to then like keep, keep track of the press that I'm getting, uh, yeah. whether, whether it's positive or negative, right? Like I want to know yeah. if it's negative. Um, <laughs> totally. So I can you do. Need to, you need to know what's being said about your yeah, brand. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and, you know, I Google all of our clients every morning and every night. It's the first <laughs> thing I do. And the last thing I do, I just Google them. Um, I love and that. Last week I saw that we, Emily for little bucks, like we had a segment rerunning on Windy City Live, a local TV show here in Chicago on ABC. And she got a ton of new sales from it, but I was cool. able to know like, Hey, M, this is running today. Make sure your website is ready for some traffic and the store is stocked with product. Mm, um, so it's great to know like what's being said about your, your brand. And when you do see something go live, like hopefully you're going to get some sales from it. So make sure you're ready to rock. Yeah. Okay. So can we talk about that idea? I've got like two, two things that I want to conclude yeah. on our episode. I want to talk about Okay, so like we get, I've got this great press. Like, <laughs> what do I do with it? Yes. And then I want to talk about measuring the results of PR, right? Because yeah. if 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 you know me, Nikki, like I am all about measuring results, measuring yeah. success. So let's can we talk about that first one? Like, so what happens after you do get that Forbes mention, or you do get written up in your local newspaper? How do you how do you make that work for you? Yeah. So you want to leverage all the good press you get as much as you can. So obviously, you know, more, this is more obvious, but sharing it on social media, maybe putting some ad spend behind it on social, make sure you have a press page and add it to it. Um, Put it in your e-blast if you have one, Mm. send it to all the investors you're talking to, all the buyers you're talking to, put it in your email signature. (laughs) So everyone that you interact with sees it. Um, just be totally shameless about sharing it. It's such a great way to brag about your business without you having to say a single word. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, if, if you're introducing your brand to someone new, you know, don't take my word for it. Read about us and Mm -hmm. for like, Mm -hmm. what a cool way to start that conversation. 
Um, but share it with your community. You know, your the people that have been supporting you from the early days will be really pumped and rally behind it. And they'll, they'll read it. They'll share it. Maybe they'll send it to people and be like, oh, I'm obsessed with this product. Have you tried it yet? Totally. Um, I mean, every time a retail, I shouldn't say every time because it's a lot now, but um, I try to keep, I keep a folder and I save every press mention that retail ready students get. Yeah. So then I can share them for my students, right? Like we yeah. share them every Friday on my Instagram stories so that I people, that. you know, people know what, um, what's happening with retail ready students. Like, yeah, no, that's so cool. It, that makes me so happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So just sharing it like crazy, like just yeah. be a total savage with sharing the press you get. Um, if you can think of another place to put it, I want to know because I want to make sure my yeah. clients are putting it there too. I think one of the, the things that I always remind myself is that I, I need to share it more often than I'm comfortable with. Right. Yeah, like I'm like, sure. Oh shoot. Like I've mentioned this. I got on this, like, um, I don't know. I got on this top 10 podcasting list and I'm like, like past me would like say it once on social media be like, Oh, well, I've already, all my followers have already seen that. And you know, that's, that's simply not true, right? Like that is yeah. not how, that, that's not how yeah. it works. Um, so typically now when I get press mentions, we'll schedule it into the content calendar where it, we talk about it actually several times over, over the few weeks following the press mention so that more people are likely to see it. I love that. Yeah. It makes you know, me uncomfortable. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. If it makes you uncomfortable, you're doing it right. Exactly. But you know, once you're in a publication, you know, as seen on Mind Body Green, like that yeah. is something you could say forever. Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. So we're totally going to milk it and we're going to like shout it from the roof- rooftops. Yes. I've got a lot so of great press. Rangers on the street and tell them <laughs> you were just in Forbes, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. But then, like, how do you? how do you measure that? I I feel like this is the thing that I hear over and over again, especially with my clients. They're like, well, Allie, like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to invest in PR because it's really hard to measure the results. Yes. I'm so glad we're talking about this. It's definitely the one thing about PR that is so challenging. There are not fancy measurement tools Mm -hmm. that they still just don't exist that (laughs) tell you if it works. It's just like not black and white. Um, this sounds really fluffy, but I tell my clients this before we start and they usually tell me I'm right. And if, if PR is working, you can feel it. Mm. You feel the momentum and the excitement around your brand and your key communities. Um, and that usually takes 90 days to, Mm. to like really feel momentum. And I think that's true of most marketing. Yeah. Tactics, you know, 90 yeah. days, you got to give it a chance. Yeah. Um, but by 90 days, you should like feel some love. But there are some other ways that's not just all fluff. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> You're like, you'll just know. I don't well, think no. people are, are are satisfied with that. Yeah. yeah. So there's like the less, this is like the black and white sharing. You know, I always share the circulation of mm-hmm. a newspaper or the unique yep. visits per month to a website. Yep. So there's that. Some publications will share how many times an article was was shared on social media right. and whatnot, you know, those little tabs on the side. But to me, the most exciting way to see if something's working is it's really like a collaborative process, but you want to analyze sales week over week. So yep. let's say like we had a great article on the 15th of June. I want to know what your sales were like the week prior and a week later. 
to see if we saw a big spike from that story. And let's say it was, you know, a lifestyle blog, like pop sugar. Then we know these like buzzy click, click buy types of sites work really well for our brand. And we want to do more of them. Yeah. Or maybe it was a TV segment or maybe it was a radio interview or podcast interview. So looking at your sales um, and marking the calendar when you have big press hits can be really powerful. Um, obviously it's a little different with in store, but right. sometimes you can have that same analytics moment moment and, um, definitely like a little harder to measure, but yeah, I think you're called following grow. Yeah. And I think about it even with in store, like we used to do, yeah. I talked about this in a, a podcast episode recently. We, we would do a holiday guide at buy, right? Like a physical printed, you know, beautiful, like full color, glossy holiday guide. And the products that we put in the holiday guide, no surprise, are the ones that sold the best in the fourth quarter. And so for a brand, I think it would be relatively easy to track, you know, oh, I got put in the holiday guide this year. And sure enough, my November and December sales were, you know, this much greater than the other months, you know, as a direct result of being in the guide. Yeah, exactly. So being able to like keep that calendar is is super awesome way to see like what works. And let's say like sales aren't your thing you're measuring. Maybe you're get, measure like buyer responses mm-hmm. or measure yeah. investor responses, but try and see, you know, what the reaction is like, or maybe like your DMs are flooded or you get more yeah. Instagram followers. Yeah. Um, I think it, it always, it, you know, to go back to the beginning of the conversation, it would always be going back to the goal. And if you are getting closer to what that, your original goal was. Exactly. Yeah. So that is such a beautiful way to tie it all together. Um, Always always keep your eyes on your goals, you know, I'm sure with everything you do, but PR is not exempt from goal setting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you, you've got given me a lot to think about Nikki. I, I, yeah, I've, I'm, I love having guests on the food biz Wiz podcast because not only do they help my listeners, but they also give me lots and lots of brainstormed ideas. So thank you for that. Thank you for being on the podcast, Nikki. How can people find you? Where, where can they stay in touch? Yeah. So you can check us out on our website and messages there. NACPR.com, K-N-A-C-K-P-R, or on Instagram at K-N-A-C-K, K-N-A-C-K <laughs> underscore PR. Um, hopefully I said that right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. I'm always game to just chat with early stage brands. It's my passion, just like it's yours, Allie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So don't be shy. Please put your brand on my radar. Um, I love trying new snacks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nikki. And I'll make sure to link your website and your Instagram handle in our show notes today. So Nikki, I will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much for being on the episode today. Thank you. Okay. Wizzes, I hope that you enjoyed my show with Nikki today and that you learned a whole bunch of strategies for reaching out to press and media with your food or beverage brand. I... I want to see your most brag-worthy press mentions. So come and share them in our Food Biz Wiz Facebook group in this week's post about this podcast episode. You can find our group at foodbizwiz.com or linked directly in the show notes. So thank you as always for tuning in and I will see you right back here next week. Have a great day and stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Wiz, the podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.